Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time hanging out with us, it's kind of a good week for it to be your first time because we we're mixing things up a little bit around here. All right, so last week, the Holland family, my family, we had a little bit of a surprise. Well, a nine months in waiting surprise, if you can still call it that. We welcomed our third little nugget into the world. And the whole time this little guy was growing, I just kept praying about how in the world am I going to juggle three kids, which feels decidedly different than two, right? Like the first and second, you all can kind of do like the the one-on-one approach. But with three, you can't do that anymore. Okay, so I'm I'm just thinking through, okay, we have so much going on already. How are we going to add a third? But I also know without a doubt that we need this little guy in our family. So as I was praying through it and trying to figure out how do I how do I juggle the kids and continue contract work and this ministry that I've grown to love so much, And outside of, you know, just losing my ever loving mind, trying to force it all to work together, I decided I'd rather take a minute. I really want to lean into this new season. And I've spent a lot of past seasons similar to this, just trying to get through instead of actually enjoying it, right? Like I'm just trying to make it. I want to change my attitude from just trying to make it and instead make the best of it and figure out what am I learning right now? What is... What's really good and what do I need to work on? And so, but to do that, I knew some things had to come off the plate a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand off no one told me to some trusted friends. So I'd like to welcome you to Good to Know with Sam Hicks and Caitlin McCall. This is going to be a little mini series where they're going to cover these topics that are just plain good to know as you navigate the expected and unexpected of your everyday. And I know with out question. You are better for listening. And I can't wait to be back with you on the other side. But for now, I'm sure there's a kid screaming somewhere that I've got to get to. So here are Sam and Caitlin with What's Good to Know. Kate, you know what I was thinking about? What? I was thinking about how you and your dad went to the Bassmaster Classic. We did go to the (laughs) Bassmaster Classic. My dad loves fishing and we went to the blast-offs the first morning. (laughs) I didn't know that's what it was called. You tell me, man. It was wild. We went, it was very early. It was maybe 6.30 in the morning. On a Friday? On a Friday. And I think I was expect. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting like the fishermen to be there and the boats would take off. Yeah. And we were going to maybe see like the families of the fishermen. I don't know. He told me this is the Super Bowl (laughs) of major league fishing, which is a real thing. And we went, we get there, we park. And I was like, man, there are more people here than I was expecting. Samantha, there were (laughs) hundreds of people there. There were hundreds of people in the morning on the volunteer landing on the Tennessee river (laughs) at six in the morning, just watching these guys take off in their boats. And here's the thing. I went to the bathroom and I came out. My dad was holding my stuff. My dad loves fishing. He loves major league fishing. Always has. Yeah. And I think he went fishing the morning of my parents' wedding. I think that was what he chose to do. His time. Yes. So he has on jeans, tennis shoes, a Columbia PFG, long sleeve shirt yeah 
He's holding a Yeti cup with an American flag on it. And he has a ball cap on that has fish on it. And I come out of the bathroom. It's still dark outside. The sun has not risen on the horizon yet. It's dark. I come out of the bathroom and I'm looking for where my dad is. Every last man in this crowd, which feels like Black Friday in a way, (laughs) has on the same out. The amount of PFG gear that I see here. It's like, have you ever seen the thing where it's like, oh, you go to like a church creatives conference and everyone has on black skinny jeans and a denim jacket yeah same vibe except everyone's wearing fish fish in some regard it was wild people were going nuts over these guys taking off on the boat and they just they just like drove off they just drive off (laughs) down the river and then they go get the heaviest is there is it like a is it like a race where they like shoot a gun off and then they no, go they or... announce their names is everyone wave they cheer interesting there were a couple of them that waved but it was a whole thing and they were blasting like 80s rock music the sun was not up sam <laughs> did i tell you that yes, you did. <laughs> the sun was not up yet and we were out and you were it was a delight and we went to Cracker Barrel for breakfast after and that it was a sweet time sounds so wholesome it was wholesome and but I'm it was so not what I got expected. to do it with your dad oh yeah it was a great time That's so it sweet. was great but we are here and we are in the second week of our mini series on no one told me yes. good to know and man when we were thinking through what we wanted to talk about in these few episodes we really wanted to seek out broad topics because we know something about the no one told me audience and that is how many ages and stages listen in and for us we wanted to hit with topics that it didn't matter where you were it doesn't matter if you're a senior in high school and you are just trying to figure out life or if you're a mom in the school pickup line right now and you're just trying to figure out life what can we talk about that's going to hit you wherever you're at and That was honestly harder than we thought it would be. This is correct. (laughs) Because, I mean, and I think it it makes sense because let's face it, as women, most of the time when something's going wrong or when something isn't right, we have a tendency just to get right down to the details, Mm -hmm. okay? We were talking the other day about how when we get home from work and the boys ask us how our day was, like Christian will say, hey, how was your day? I'm starting from the top. Like from 6 a.m. at the Bassmaster Classic. (laughs) what happened the rest of your day i'll be like i got hungry mid-morning today and i normally don't do that but i did today and then eventually i get to the end of my day i ask him how his was and he's like pretty good and that's it jonathan and i had a very similar conversation where he was like oh you would actually enjoy if i told you every detail of my day and i said correct that is correct correct and there's just nothing like reliving something that happened in a play-by-play later on like this is why you need girlfriends absolutely i'm like i'm going here's the text thread this is what was said but whenever he said this it was a little there was a tone shift and so i read into it and that's how we're wired and Mm -hmm. if you're not wired that way chances are you are the faithful and patient listening ear to a friend who is and we love you god bless you but because of this we know there are so many good and practical steps that we actually miss taking because we're more likely to be concerned with what's happening in the moment rather than inspecting how we're handling what's happening in the moment. So we want to get broad. We want Mm -hmm. to talk about how are we dealing with these things. Last week, we kicked off this series by talking about building a foundation of faith 
in Jesus. And if you missed that one, go catch it later because it was such a good conversation and reminder that we should be relying on Jesus foundationally. But here's the thing. Even when our foundation is solid, that doesn't always mean that our circumstances are. Mm -hmm. And it's possible. I would say it's even probable that when we stand on the principles of faith, we will experience hardship, uncertainty, Mm -hmm. worry. Oh my gosh, the amount of worry that we deal with day to day, just as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it might look like for you a really long season of grief and confusion that's heavy, but it also might be really small inconveniences that just morph into this monster of discouragement and discontentment. And here's the thing, no matter how solid you are in Jesus or how faithful you have been to trust him and immunity to suffering was never promised. And with that suffering, we know comes a volume of unprecedented feelings and emotions that we are forced to confront. And Mm -hmm. those feelings are unavoidable. And I know, Sam, you say all the time, you can't control your circumstance, Mm -mm. but you can control how you respond. And that's what we want to talk about today is how do we respond to those big feelings that we face? Yeah. And here's the thing, when it comes to feelings, I like I recently got married and was so exposed to how many feelings I feel immediately. Immediately. It's like, oh, here's a mirror. Yep, exactly. And it's like, "Mm, don't really love that. But I do feel it and it's real. And so when we think about how we respond today, we just want to have a conversation about how our feelings aren't always reliable and how our feelings aren't fact. And we're just going to dive into some good scripture today because how we respond truly shapes the direction that we're going. And we want to see what God has to say about that because we know what he has is what's true. And in our life, when our feelings take over, it gets so messy. It does. And I think a lot of us really hone in in our lives on the relationship we have with our feelings. Most of us claim to be on one of two sides. Mm -hmm. We're either all consumed by our feelings or we are going to avoid them at all costs. Like you are either the person who says, I haven't cried since I was 11. Or you're the person who says, I cried 15 minutes ago and I might cry again (laughs) in two seconds if you try me. Right. Yeah. And often as girls too, we get our identity all tied up in that. Mm -hmm. Like we wrap up who we think we are and how we experience feelings. And I think when we fall into that mentality of being defined by how we respond to feelings, instead of evaluating how we should respond to them and growing from that, there's danger ahead. And we want to look at what the cost of that danger is today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to open up a passage of scripture that you may know that you might be familiar with. But it really kind of hits this topic in a real way. We're camping out in Genesis 3 today. And I'm so excited about Genesis 3 because, first of all, it is the literal third chapter of the Bible. We're fresh. We are right in here. And there is so much truth on like page 14. And I love that I can tuck the cover of my Bible back oh, and just so nice? hold it in one hand when I read Genesis. It's, it's so nice. Just right at the front. But we're camping out in Genesis 3 today. And I am excited to talk about it too, because there's already so much that surrounds this chapter. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first Bible stories that you're exposed to as a child. A lot of you might know exactly where we are with just the chapter number of Genesis. 
But no matter what your history is with it, there's so much new that we can grab from it today. Yeah. So you might know this one well, but we're going to set the stage. This is after God has created the world and he creates everything perfectly. It's so good. We have man and woman. We have Adam and Eve. And God gave Adam and Eve everything they need to be content. He has quite literally provided them with paradise with the exception of one rule. Don't eat fruit from this one tree in the middle of the garden, right? So you're chilling in Garden of Eden. Just don't go eat fruit from that tree. And then we are introduced to the enemy of this story, the villain, who also happens to be the enemy of our story. Surprise. Shocker. (laughs) Spoiler alert. And here he has taken the form of a serpent. That's where we're picking up in Genesis 3. When the serpent strikes up a conversation with Eve in verse 1, it says, One day the serpent asked the woman, Did God really say you shall not eat any tree in the garden? No shock. He's rolling in, causing chaos. Just immediately creating (laughs) doubt. Immediately being a troll. Okay. He's essentially putting question marks here Mm. where God put periods. Mm. And Eve doesn't miss a beat in verse three. She actually just says exactly what God said. She corrects him. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. She knew what was up in verse three. But somewhere in this conversation, Eve loses her confidence because three verses later, she's convinced that she should believe the serpent instead of the Lord. And she does. And Mm -hmm. we see it wasn't God's words that changed. It was Eve's feelings toward them. And now we see why we've camped out here. Welcome. Okay. (laughs) But let's see what this means for us. Because the first thing I think we gather from this is that feelings are real but they aren't always reliable. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be one of the most hurtful things when someone challenges whether your feelings are real. I think we just need to like talk about that for a second. Like literally when (laughs) I will come home and just have like the worst day and it will be like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. And then immediately it's like defensive. Like you don't know me. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying that I'm too much or I have too big feelings like or I'm being dramatic. Yeah. When someone challenges you, it's so hard because it's your experience and you have no way to prove to anyone that you actually are feeling that way. And what you are experiencing and what is hard for you may not be what's hard for other people. And so they can look at you and be like, why is that such a big deal for you? And it's like, I don't know, but it is and vice versa. I might think something is not a big deal at all and it's crushing someone's world. Right. And so that's what makes it so difficult it and, is. and challenging when someone challenges you because this defense kind of goes up and you want to prove yourself and you don't really have proof for it other than your feelings and your experiences. Right. Or it can cause you to do the opposite and be like, oh, I guess what I'm feeling isn't real. And Mm. maybe I should just ignore it or push it down or push it away. And it's so hurtful when someone says, you're just making that up Mm. because what we feel is always real to us. And when we experience the presence of a feeling, it's genuinely something that needs to be acknowledged and defined because if we don't define it, we're essentially handing that opportunity Mm. to the enemy so he can define it for us. And we don't want that to happen. So I think the way that we avoid that is by running our feelings through the filter of truth that we are given. And that's given by the Holy spirit. Yeah. And in my experience, any bad feelings that go unchecked by the Holy spirit 
have a pattern of linking up with other bad feelings that were unchecked by the Holy Spirit. So if I'm feeling anxious about anything, I can very easily feel like that anxiety is way more powerful than it actually is because I'm not just feeling the strength of that bad feeling. I'm feeling the chain reaction Mm. of when I was anxious about it yesterday, when I was angry about it last week, when I was sad or upset about it, no matter what it was, it's formed this chain reaction of uh, honestly something that has so much more power and the strength combined than the one feeling that I feel like I'm up against. Although whatever circumstantial feeling I'm fighting can seem like that's the only thing that I'm up against. And no wonder if it's such a chain of unchecked feelings Mm -hmm. that we're dealing with, we all struggle with actually blowing things out of proportion at times because man, we let things go unchecked for so long and then one little thing happens and that sets us off. But it's actually this response to all the other things that we've let go unchecked. So the bottom line is we check and define our feelings through the Holy Spirit first. Mm -hmm. So the enemy doesn't get the chance and we know this works because of 1 John 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mm. There is no feeling that we will experience that is more powerful than the Holy Spirit within us when we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God has more power than any feeling. So it's through the process of checking those feelings that we're able to discover whether what we're feeling is reliable or not. And we said feelings are real, but that doesn't mean that they're always reliable. Yeah. Now, that's not to say they're never reliable. Sometimes they are. Like, you know, if I went on a hike and I heard a rustling in the trees and a bear was running toward me. Okay. Let me just define that feeling really quick. It's called fear. Fear. Yes. Is it reliable? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know what to do if a bear's running toward me, but I should do something. You I know? should maybe run the other direction. Do you run from a bear if a bear... You know? Do you play dead? No, not that. What are you supposed to do? You know, I'm not quite educated. I should, being in East Tennessee. I think you're supposed to... Are you supposed to... No, you're supposed to make yourself I think you're supposed big. to make yourself big and make a lot of noise. Oh, like hit so pots you and pans. And or, what if you don't have pots and pans well, in you the mountains? Clap, you can clap. You can shout. You can scream. <laughs> I'm just imagining the bear's POV. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing, homie? He's like, why are you clapping right now? He's like, what's As going on, my see, guy? As you can see, Samantha and I don't frequently go on hikes. Honestly, I'll just drive through it. It's fine. Yeah, we can drive. And hey, listen be careful out there if you do. Okay. And maybe do some research on how to respond to a bear. But (laughs) here's the thing. If that were to happen, the speed at which the feeling of fear would invade is fast enough for you to hopefully react and protect yourself. Mm -hmm. God gave us that. Thank you, Lord, for Mm -hmm. giving us feelings and discernment for that very reason. But that's why the feelings that we experience aren't always reliable. Because of how quickly and frequently feelings can change. Yeah. And that makes me just really think about when we are responding to our feelings, we're mm-hmm. reacting, we're responding to our feelings. Knee jerk. That is essentially putting our feelings in the driver's seat of our life. It is. And in the scope of one day, I can go from being completely at peace with something to being at odds with it at the drop of a literal hat. Like, one word from someone, one statement, one change of plans even, 
and my mood has sudden urge to swing. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we're swinging to the left outfielder. We're going straight in the opposite direction. It would be unwise to always rely on what my feelings are telling Mm -hmm. me. In Eve's case, she did exactly what you just said. Yeah. She just didn't take the time to think about whether her feelings were reliable or not. And it caused her to make the wrong choice. And sometimes it can cause us to do the same. We stop trusting God. We stop believing that he's good. When we put our feelings in the driver's seat and buckle our Mm seatbelt, there's danger that can happen from that. And we see in verse six, what Eve's feelings were driving her toward. Said she saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom Mm -hmm. that it would give her. She wanted it. That feeling of wanting her feelings were driving her toward answers, knowledge, information. And most of the time when we put our feelings in the driver's seat, the reason for that isn't to head towards destruction. It's to actually seek peace and contentment Mm -hmm. and a solution. But when our feelings take the wheel, the destination is always unpredictable because your feelings are unpredictable. And you're up for a dangerous drive because You've got a driver at the wheel that doesn't know where it's going to end up. And man, it's exhausting. Most of the time we end up more confused and our tank is empty. We don't have any gas left because we've been going in circles. We've been going off the road. We've been going on all these detours trying to get us inevitably to this place of feeling at rest with the situation Mm -hmm. that we're in that's where the exhaustion comes in Mm -hmm. is we think that we have to fix it. We have to course correct our life because we've been going the wrong way. And that's just not what God's calling us to do. And if that's you, if you're realizing, gosh, feelings are just driving every decision. I am realizing that I am going the wrong way. Maybe you just need to take some time, pull over, rest invite god back into the driver's seat yeah because he's going to be the one that guides you back to peace he's going to be the one that gets you to contentment and all the things that he promises us Mm -hmm. but when we're just trying to figure it out ourselves it's like not having a gps right and i think that goes back to always trying to find answers to our questions Mm -hmm. eve initially ate the fruit because she wanted answers to her questions that the serpent challenged her on and That honestly left her more confused than she was in the first place. Mm -hmm. And feelings have a habit of doing that for us. They leave us with unanswered questions and unresolved. The questions of why did this have to happen? Or when will things go back to normal? Or when will things change for me? Or, you know, what do I do in this situation? And when we start to fixate on those questions, it's easy to get sent in the opposite direction that we need to go away from the Lord We see Adam and Eve, that happened for them. They eat this fruit. It opens their eyes to the feelings they never experienced before. Before this moment, there was never any embarrassment, shame, Mm. fear, confusion, and they felt it all at once. And it was so sudden that we see where it took them in verse eight. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid. And this is God. This is their creator, their provider, but they're running and hiding from him. They're chasing answers in the trees. <laughs> Hopefully there's no bears in there. And I mean, like we literally do the same. We do. And God is the main one that they should be running to yeah. for answers. But we're watching Adam and Eve, not unlike us, depend on unreliable feelings. And we've talked about how those feelings are real. Mm-hmm. They should be checked. Mm-hmm. 
They're not always reliable. They leave us with unanswered questions, but they always require a response. Mm -hmm. No matter what the feeling is, good or bad, we respond to it in some way, either intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes we take matters into our own hands. Sometimes we choose to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's a response too. But as much as so many of us have spent time learning about the implications of this passage, for me, it never fails to hold the weight that comes with the title of the fall. Like Mm -hmm. this is the fall of man. We watch Adam and Eve just abandon what God gave them. It's actually really sad. And later we see the consequences that come with this and it broke our world. But there's a piece right in the middle of this that we want to get at because it deals with how we should respond to our feelings. And it's actually beautiful Mm -hmm. because while Adam and Eve are chasing answers, God is chasing Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And we expect God to come in like any father to the scene, angry, you knew better, you know, throwing punishments out left and right over it. But in his character, he ironically delays statements He ironically delays consequences, although those will come Mm -hmm. later on. Instead, he comes to them with questions, two questions. And if you remember, the serpent came to Eve with a question designed to pull her away from God. Mm -hmm. And it worked. And it sent her off trying to find answers to more questions. Here we see God come in with two questions from his mouth that are designed to pull Adam and Eve back to him. And they can also be designed to pull us back to him now. He's the same God then that he is now. Yeah. And I think for me, these two questions in scripture are such recalibrating questions when you realize that you're a long way off. They will snatch you right back in. And that's not to say that your feelings go away overnight, But these are questions for you to identify where you're at and how you're responding. And I know in my life, when I'm so focused on my feelings, I realize that my gaze has shifted. Mm -hmm. I'm so focused on myself and the things I'm feeling that I take my eyes off who God is and what he has for me. And I start realizing that I'm the one that has to figure it out, which just isn't true. Right, right. And This next part of Genesis 3 has so much value because this is genuinely a situation of when you don't know what to do, this is what you do. And so we see in verse 9, it says, then the Lord God called to the man. Here's your first question. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? There's just something to remember. Anytime God asks a question, whether it's to you in your personal prayer time, if you're listening for that, or If it's in scripture and he's asking someone a question in scripture, he's not asking because he needs information. Like God will never ask you a question to obtain information. He already knows. He already knows. He actually does. And he's honestly asking so that you know the answer. You need to obtain the information. The answer to this question does not change everything, but it affects everything. Correct. Not for his betterment but for our betterment. So whatever the answer is, it's something that's going to lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. So in this case, God didn't ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Because he didn't know where they were. He Mm -hmm. literally created where they were. Mm -hmm. God 
asks them where they are because he's trying to get them to figure out where they are not. Correct. And Adam and Eve weren't with God. They weren't even close to God. And so how we respond to our feelings first and foremost is tied to our proximity to God. Mm -hmm. And I know Sam, when we discovered the value of this question, where are you? It's something that anytime I come to you and I'm like, I just feel like dot, dot, dot. Most of the time in some words, you're going to come back with some form of the question, where are you? Yeah. And I know that that's a question you ask yourself too. Absolutely. And I know like for me, if I can just get vulnerable for a second, this past season of my life, so much has changed getting married and moving and all these things. And so there have been a lot of feelings associated with that. But also we were saying earlier, it's not always just one circumstance that makes you feel a certain way. It can just be a bunch of little things that become extremely overwhelming and all consuming if you don't check it, like we were saying. And for me, this question of where are you has been vital. And it's something that when I confide in friends about how I'm feeling, that question's always asked. It shows you where you are not. So when I realize I'm overwhelmed because of this, this, or this, or I'm having anxious thoughts because of this, this, or this, or I just feel like I'm not good enough in this, this, or this, I'm able to identify where I am, which then points me in the direction of where I need to be. Right. And sometimes it is like you were saying, it's not this sore thumb that you can easily identify and it's the first thing that you think of when you wake up in the morning sometimes it's so many little things that cause us to just feel off and we can't put our finger on exactly you know what's bothering me well I know I can list off all these things but surely that's not enough to be derailing me right Mm -hmm. now and in reality the question shouldn't be what's bothering me sometimes the question should be What's your location? Yeah. Where are you in proximity to God? And how is that proximity affecting your situation right now? And sometimes when you realize that you're far away from God and in order to close that gap between you, God's not far from you. Oftentimes we're far from God. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, it might not look like just cracking open your Bible to whatever page you just randomly open to. It could be just sitting in silence and just asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the things in your life that you have misplaced. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard. And I've recently started a study on the Bible app and it's called Silence is Worship. Silence is Praise. And just talking about how our whole world is so consumed with noise and with voices And we need to create this habit of getting away like we see Jesus modeling for us and sitting in silence and seeing what God has for us. And I can truthfully say after doing this for about a week or so now, this has changed the proximity of my relationship with the Lord. And it's been able to help me identify where I am and where I need to be. Yes. And this question, asking yourself, where are you in those silent moments and in that personal time with the Lord, that is how we expedite the process of getting your feelings out of the driver's seat. It is the like overnight shipping of I might not prime Amazon prime of this. Okay. I might not be able to fix my present circumstance. I can't even change how I feel about it, but I certainly can identify where I am. And what I love about this is finally, (laughs) we have something that's admirable about the way that Adam and Eve respond 
in Genesis chapter three. And that is in verse 10, Adam is straight up honest. Mm. He says, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but that's where I am. That's where I am. You asked me where I am and this is where I am. And I love his example. If we're going to follow anything from Genesis three of Adam and Eve's example, it that's is right their here. honesty in how they respond because wherever you are and however you got there, God already knows. Mm-hmm. And I know it's so hard because sometimes we attach so much shame and so much guilt and conviction with, man, I'm here, but I wish I was there. And we feel like we can't take that to God and be honest with him because we don't want God to be disappointed in us. And we don't want there to be this distance from God. But at the end of the day, the knowledge that he already possesses about your distance Mm -hmm. from him has no effect on his desire for you to be close to him again. Mm -hmm. And when we actually take our honesty to God and how we respond, it's evidence to God that we trust him with our feelings. And I know it can be hard to go to God and be straight up, hey, this is where I'm at and this is why. But we're not taking it to a God that we were keeping secrets from initially. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where we get tripped up sometimes. But it's actually Adam's honesty that prompts God to ask him the next question. And that's in verse 11. Y'all better get ready for this. Oh, it's so good. In verse 11, God says, who told you that you were naked? told you that who told you that there is so much power in this question oh, that's so good and i'm excited because here's the thing it's like you were saying there are so many voices there mm-hmm. is so much noise and we have so many things coming at us and speaking into us we have voices of wisdom we have voices of foolishness mm-hmm. we have voices that we can mute Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's someone that you're allowing to influence you that doesn't need to be. And we have voices that we can't mute. Mm -hmm. We have to accept their criticism or their feedback. Maybe sometimes it's good. Maybe sometimes it's not. There are some voices that just simply are louder than others. And here's the thing. If we have voices coming from every direction, there's no possible way that everything we're taking in is true. Mm -hmm. And the question, who told you that? gives us permission to figure out whether the source of what we're feeling is credible or not. And it's a question we ask all the time anyway. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear that so-and-so broke up with her boyfriend? My first question is going to be, who told you that? Because if it wasn't her or her boyfriend, I might question whether or not that's a credible source. And it's crazy that literally naturally do that. Yes. For everything else. But when it comes to us and ourselves and our feelings, for some reason, we just throw that check and balance out the window. Everything's true. Yep. Everything's true. Except when people say, oh my gosh, you look so good. And then it's like, -uh." (laughs) nah. Why do we do that? Because we're the worst. It (laughs) reminds me of that TikTok trend. I don't know if you remember this back at Christmas. It was around Christmas because everyone was gathering for the holidays and it was like, somebody's kitchen and everybody's cooking food and standing around and there would be this like sweet like little blonde woman and she had red lipstick and big old hoops on and someone would come in with a camera and be like dolly parton dead at 77 oh do you remember this i do and then the the blonde woman who so clearly loves dolly like hits the floor and she's like what and there's all these insane reactions from people over this fake news that their favorite celebrity had died right 
And I thought it was so funny because there would be, you know, this like tall, lanky grandpa <laughs> man and he had on a cowboy hat and a mustache and it's like, Alan Jackson died. And you could very clearly tell that this man loves Alan Jackson. Immediately and started mourning. Has modeled his <laughs> life after Alan. But at some point, obviously, those people were told, hey, that wasn't real. Yeah. You know, Queen Dolly is alive and well. I, she's fine. I was going to say, and, and that was something that was really funny that I remember seeing on those TikToks. Like, someone would verbally tell them that. And then they would go and like search, even though that is like the silliest thing. And I remember just watching so many of them now that you say that, but they would immediately go and search for an answer. Yeah. I need proof. I need proof of life. And it's just a Google search away. Like as soon as you figure out, oh, you were maybe lying to me. Well, let me figure it out. It would be ridiculous if Dolly's biggest fan was still today believing that Dolly Parton had died at Christmas because we have the proof. Yeah. And I know it's so silly, but we do this all the time. How often do we take a source that's not credible that causes us to feel something personally and we choose to believe it anyway? Every thought that enters your mind that you choose to believe without deciding if the source is credible or not is setting you up for the possibility of believing Mm. a lie. And spin zone, we have way more than a Google search. We have the word of God, people. Okay. And it is real and credible at all times. And so if somebody says something to you or you are under the impression of anything, whether that thought was intrusive or something that came from the outside and you cannot enforce it with the word of God and look and be like, oh, actually, that's not true because God said this in his word Mm. or God says this about me. Whatever you're believing is suspect at Mm -hmm. the very least. And it likely needs to be tossed all together. And I think practically this looks like making a habit Mm -hmm. out of asking who told you that? Who told me that fill in the blank before placing any belief in any voice speaking into you? This literally is so good. This is literally such good things that come straight out of the third chapter of the Bible. This question is so practical. These are just recalibrating questions for our entire life and for our faith and how we interact with people every single day. And it genuinely changes our course of action. It does. It changes our response. And I will say the first question is critical to the second. Mm -hmm. If you ask yourself, where are you? And you find yourself in close proximity to God, then your ability to get yourself to the truth when a lie comes in, when you ask yourself who told you that, you're close to the one that better have. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you have this first question, where are you? And it's under your belt. That second question, that's the formula by which we get rid of the lies and seek the truth. Yeah. If it's not truth, it has no place. That's Get out of here. Get out. <laughs> and hear me when I say this. That is so much easier said than done. When you dispel the lies, when you are in this habit of figuring out what's true and what's false, the lies are like consistently plaguing your mind. So there's so much freedom that comes from this. And the less than that you can feel from these feelings, when you get that out, you have so much more capacity to be filled and overflow with the good that God has for you. And I will say when it feels impossible to get past that feeling, even you're asking yourself who told you that and you know it's not God, but that doesn't make it go away. I always remember it's going to take the same amount of faith for me to believe what the enemy Mm -hmm. is trying to put a question mark in my life or for me to believe what I know God has said to be true 
maybe I'm going to put the same amount of faith in either one of those things. I just have to choose which direction. It's just a choice. It's just a choice. And it doesn't make it an easy choice. And it doesn't make that feeling disappear Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. It's not this genie in a bottle experience where it's like, I wish for this to go away. Okay, it did. Maybe sometimes it does, but not always. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to invest so much energy in dwelling on something that I've already established is not from the Lord, why would I not reframe that and put that energy in what I know is from him, Mm -hmm. even if I feel weak in the amount of faith that I have toward it? Because I've got so much more credible, affirming evidence of what God has already told me than I do of sitting with the questions that the enemy has for me. God created feelings. And, you know, we're in Genesis. He's created the whole world. Feelings are not excluded from that. Mm. They're part of us. And he gave us the good ones. And it is this very story today that is exactly why we have to experience the hard Mm -hmm. ones. But the thing that is good to know is that he didn't leave us to navigate the hard ones Mm. alone. And God wants us to understand how to respond to our feelings in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. But what I love is that when God sent his son Jesus to earth, Jesus experienced all of the same feelings that we deal with. And I think that's something that he's been teaching me more and more. The older that I get is just how much Jesus sympathized with our weakness and sympathized with our suffering. And we see all through the gospel, Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4. He cried when his best friend died. He was angry when people were being cheated out at the temple. He was troubled when one of his disciples betrayed him. But Hebrews 2 tells us, Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Mm. And later on in chapter four, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And Jesus felt everything that we feel, the entire spectrum of emotion that we deal with day to day. And yet he never wavered in his holiness. Mm. He never stopped trusting his father. He never sinned. He never hid. And there is an incredible comfort in knowing that when I'm feeling the worst, he gets it. Mm -hmm. And I think the moral of this in learning how to respond the right way, learning how to ask those two questions, finding ourselves in proximity to God and able to discern when we're not hearing from him, that means our feelings don't have to derail us. Mm -hmm. There is a way through them. There is a way to the truth. We don't have to push them down. We don't have to ignore them. We don't have to be all consumed by them. And I love that when we feel like it is our feelings that are controlling us, we have the truth of the word that we can stand on. I think of first John four, four, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Mm. He already knows. We can lean on a savior that knows exactly the way that we feel. So y'all, we really loved today. We loved getting able to share this truth with you and this stuff that is so good. It wouldn't be a no one told me episode without ending with our third favorite question of the day. And that is, what is something that you were so glad someone told you about? Well, mine has to do with skincare today. I have been on this for a little bit. So this isn't like newsflash, but I haven't shared it. So I'm going to, but it is the ordinary caffeine solution eye serum. I use it twice a day. And it quite literally makes such a difference. I am like so, so insecure about, not even insecure because it's just a reality of my face, 
but I am unhappy with the bags under my eyes. I you feel like I bags. always look like I haven't slept. I've never thought that. Well, it's probably because the sheer amount of concealer that I'm wearing. And the caffeine drops. And the caffeine drops. Yes. But it, these it deals with that. It really wakes you up in the morning. I mean, I literally put it on under my eyes and it makes me feel more awake in the morning. Oh. But it has like green tea and caffeine in it. And it helps with puffiness and pigmentation and contour of your under eye circles if you will so if that's something that you need it is i mean it might be ten dollars at ulta and i can tell when i am out and what's the brand it's the ordinary and it's a sweet little white box and a little dropper and i i probably do i don't know a little drop here or there yeah a little drop and i do it twice a day how about you what is One thing, you are so glad that someone told you. So I am very influenced by YouTube and TikTok personally. And these are not my friends, but I think that they are. And they were literally watching them when I walked into your house today. I just really love them. I feel really connected to them. But they told me, not me specifically, they just told all of their viewers about, so I've decided I'm becoming a coffee girly. Oh, I love that. So we have an espresso at our house, which takes all these pods and you know I've been on a journey trying to figure out which pods I like and you know I'm not going to go to Starbucks anymore I'm going to be making my coffee at home and being so bougie like that and so I found ones that I like however a case of pods is legit like $30 oh my gosh how many pods like 10 oh my god yes and so I was like mm, this is not sustainable this is not going to last that long so I follow a TikToker she was talking about how she makes reusable Nespresso pods and she like has a one DIY yes and she it's this like little stainless steel guy that you put your own coffee grounds in and you like tamp it like an espresso machine and then you put it in the machine and so we are officially on day one of attempting this today today did you have a cup of coffee today I did how was it it was delicious oh but I'm an espresso girl and today I just made coffee and so I need to figure out all the settings and everything to make sure that my espressos are made right. This is a dumb cue, but what is the difference between espresso and coffee? I've always wondered that and always been ashamed to ask because I was worried that someone would be like, how do you not know this already? No. So first of all, it's beans. The beans are different. You can get espresso beans. beans. Mm -hmm. What's the difference of the beans? I don't know. Oh, they just say espresso beans and then they say coffee beans. So I get espresso beans and then I grind them. I think they have more like concentrated caffeine in them. Huh. If that makes sense. No one fact check me, please. I never knew that. Yeah, they're different beans. They're different beans. Wow. But also when you. Does it taste different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an espresso is more rich and it's more concentrated. So like you would get like a shot of espresso. But if you get an Americano like at Starbucks, it has two shots of espresso in an Americano. With the coffee. With the coffee. So it's more concentrated and it has more caffeine to it. Oh my gosh. I would be so jittery. I normally drink three shots of espresso. I know you do. Your caffeine intake is I'm unlike any other. Kind of a super I, On your wedding day, this girl had easily 400 milligrams of caffeine on your wedding oh, day. Way more than that for sure. There's a lot of caffeine running through. There's Lots a lot of, of energy. Well, look, you guys, we loved hanging out with you today, and we'll see you next time. Bye.